Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Shop Black Friday with deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the Big One Throws, $8.49. Toastmaster Small Appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday with deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off. Download code Enjoy15. Lego and Fitbit. Offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Happy Sunday morning, and welcome to another episode of Collider Mailbag. Yes, we're going to get through our first Sunday post-Game of Thrones. It's over, uh, and we are here to help you and hold your hand and talk about certain questions that may relate to Game of Thrones. We'll see, but we'll get through it together. I am your host, John Roca, and I am very honored to welcome the general manager of Movie Phone and an all-around knowledgeable guy about film and, of course, a Schmodown competitor over here. That's Matt Atchity. How are you, Matt? Uh, good, good. I was kind of hoping for the like the classic radio, Sunday, 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 8,000 pounds of mailbox <laughs> Madness. We got your questions right. here. You'll buy the whole seat, but you'll only use the edge. <laughs> those were the best. I right? love those, those growing are... up in Virginia. I would hear them in my radio. Oh, yeah, all the time. They were the best. 8,000 tons of monster truck madness. <laughs> Bigfoot. Sasquatch. It's all here. <laughs> but we've got, uh, I think we've got questions that can match that kind of okay. uh, level of intensity. That's for sure. And you guys know how this works. I send out the questions, or send out the calls, rather, on social media. You respond back with that hashtag, Collider Mail bag and also sometimes you send emails uh asking us maybe you don't like social media you do that collider uh mail sorry mailbag at collider.com and i pour through those questions to pick out about 20 to 25 questions send them on to my guests and they pick out five that they like i think we picked five really good ones yeah yeah well, let's get to it all right our first one is from uh twitter it's debbie Schechter. she asks hey at the roca says and guest will we ever find out why jane foster was able to have the reality stone in her and not die like Quill did with the Power Stone. And this, of course, that ether that she had inside of her that Rocket Raccoon took out during Endgame. Uh, what's your answer there, man? Uh, did Quill die with the Power Stone? He did. Like he, he almost died, right? right? All right. right. So my take on this is we don't need to find out because it's in the movie and it's in the name of the stones, right? So the mm-hmm. Power Stone, like you got to be more than human to hold the Power Stone because right. it's got so much power in it, right? Well, Jane Foster is an astrophysicist. So what's going to happen? Like she's going to get filled with the reality stone and like suffer through more reality? <laughs> like she's an astrophysicist. She, her whole gig is reality right, and the nature of reality. So mm-hmm. I think she's okay. Yeah, right? well, well, also, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I, like... What happens if you touch the time stone? Like you're on time now, right? Like I, I think Doctor Strange was fine. Yeah. Right. So I think was. it. De- I think really it depends on. Like my theory would be it depends on the stone. So I think she's probably like there's certain stones you could probably pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know maybe like the soul stone makes you dance better. 
Maybe. Oh, that's a totally oh. possibility. Well, no, with the Ether Stone, I think, uh, and Thor said it in Avengers Endgame, he said it's not a typical stone. It's right. more of that that kind of thing. So, and it was, and I think in, in the Thor movie in Dark World, it's somebody says that the, the stone is defending, she's defending herself with the stone, but Thor corrects him and says the stone is defending itself from any attack. So I think it uses this as a host body until it moves on to something else. Jane had it, I think, for a full day in Asgard, and then eventually they were able to get it out and extract it and do whatever. So it's able to keep its host alive, but it obviously needs something otherworldly, other earthworldly, to take it out and contain it and keep it from damaging everything else, which is, of course, what uh, uh, Chris Eccleton's character, Malekith, was trying to do with the ether. So that's what I would say. It's, it's, not, a, it's not that big of a deal that she was able to survive with it because it was trying to keep itself alive so she would keep its, her alive as well. Uh, all right, what's our next question? Uh, our next question, uh, K-Deb writes via email, uh, hello, Collider crew, Roka, an awesome guest. Thank you. Yeah, he yeah, must have known I was very here. true. Uh, my question is regarding the future of Star Wars, specifically in China. The sequel trilogy and a Star Wars story films have not resonated with Chinese audience at all and have seen diminishing returns, along with getting the Star Wars fan base back on board with the D&D trilogy in years, talking about Benny Austin Weiss, who yes. are going to be doing a or so far are planning to who mm -hmm. knows what will actually happen right uh, what can lucasfilm do to bring marvel size love to chinese audiences that seems to me to be one of the more important rose issues to address as they move forward uh thank you for taking my question and have a great holiday weekend there you go thanks krista well here's some numbers i was doing some research on this um in 2015 with force awakens uh it has gone down their take since then Rogue One earned only $69.4 in China of its $1 billion. That's insane. Last Jedi was out in two weeks. That's it. And Solo's Star Wars story only came up with just $3 million on its opening day. A lot of people say that it's because the original trilogy was never screened in China. So it never got that kind of, like, foothold in the imagination of the Chinese people. It could also just be that there's something about Star Wars that doesn't appeal to the mythology or the culture or the lore of China within uh, its uh, con a construct. Yeah, I think it's more about the original screening, right? Like, yeah. I, I think, look, like, part of the success of Star Wars worldwide is that Lucas wrote it, the, especially the first one, as kind of, you know, the broad strokes heroic journey, yeah. right? Like, Joseph Campbell's work about, you know, hero with a thousand faces. And right. and that, that story is intentionally set to be accessible by anyone mm -hmm. and right and there's versions of the hero journey that are in chinese mythology right um so really if anything it's that it just hadn't been shown there mm -hmm. i think that's probably the number one reason the other issue though is that you know as much as the star wars movies have now been shown in china the chinese market is very complicated in, in yeah in that the Movies have to get movies that are made by outside studios have to be approved to show there. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you'll see is you'll see some filmmakers, some studios will add something that appeals to the Chinese market. Right. Specifically to get past those censors and get allowed in, you know, to me, one of the most glaring examples of that is in uh, the Transformers movies with the oh, Dinobots, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they're like, oh, we're not going to let Hong Kong get destroyed, right? Like, we're going to bring the Dinobots. Right. They were in China the whole time. But that's the thing is, is they show that scene where, where I believe it's Hong Kong is yeah. under attack. Yep. And they make a big show of showing like the Chinese leadership saying, we are going to protect Hong Kong, right? right? That's right. a thing that's going to get past the censor and be like, oh yeah, sure. We'll, we'll let you guys show this movie here. That's harder to do with a Star Wars. Now, wow. If I was going to be real cynical, do I think that 
casting somebody like Kelly Marie Tran in mm. in as Rose in uh, Solo in Last Jedi oh, sorry, Last Jedi, yeah. is an attempt to kind of get a foot in the door there. Maybe, yeah. Right? Like, I, I, she's not Chinese, right? But you know, having an Asian character, an Asian actor. Uh, in a primary role like that is, yeah. you know, doesn't hurt. Yeah. Right. I, I think there's got more work to be done. Um, I, so I don't know that it's necessarily a failure in China. I think that there's tough competition and what star Wars doesn't have there is the history mm-hmm. that everybody else is hardwired going back to 1977. Yeah. And, and that's a good point because like you look at Marvel, people are like, look at how well Marvel does in China. Well, Marvel is a new incarnation. It's only been the last 10 years. Right. That's really blown up. And the Chinese market has progressed and developed and become more worldly and global in the films that are shown there. And I think you're right. I think, you know, obviously you're right that, that they have to be approved, but I wonder if there are edits done. I've heard some things that are like certain edits are done to make it more palatable for that. It seems easier to do in the Marvel universe more. It's more of a global approach to things. So that's a possibility there. We'll see what Ben Elf and Weiss do. We'll see if more Asian characters appear or Chinese characters appear actors rather. That's I saw that happen obviously with Independence Day. They had that Chinese pilot, a resurgence. That was their way of trying to get through the market. So we see that all the time now. Uh, and we'll see if Star, if Ben Elf and Weiss do that going into the Star Wars situation. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm yeah. not in entirely confident that we're going to see Benioff and Weiss make it all the way to actually developing and shooting a movie. Wow. I mean, really? If I, okay. I, I think you could see the people that cross over between being Star Wars and Game of Thrones fans start mm-hmm. something to really push back on what they're going to do. Uh-huh. And maybe Disney Lucasfilm goes in a different direction and brings somebody else in. Wow. Right. I mean, look, like you can talk about movies being in development until they start shooting. Yeah. You know, like I never believe a movie is actually going to happen until they actually start shooting. Wow. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be 2022. So we certainly have three more years before the film comes out, supposedly. And working with Ryan Johnson, who, you know, it was big controversial with last Jedi. So maybe both or all three of them, Go right out, you know, but this is what Kathleen Kennedy is uh, hinging her uh, extension on her contract on is these six movies with these creators because they're supposed to be working together to make all six of these movies connect. So, man, it would be interesting if they if they, if it comes down the road and created differences again, yeah. uh, push, push out another team of directors like what happened with Lord Miller with Solo. Oh, all right. Let's move on to our next question. It's an email uh, from BPKGolf at NetZero.net. It writes, will we see? Kurt Russell play Stuntman Mike in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We know from Death Proof, Stuntman Mike worked in Hollywood in the late 60s. Will Tarantino de-age Russell or have him play the father to Stuntman Mike and Stuntman Bob, Brian Knight? What do you say there, Matt? I would be shocked if he was digitally de-aged. Yeah. I can't imagine Tarantino doing that, right? right. They might use makeup um, or they might just not explain it. Right. I mean, Tar- yeah. I wouldn't see I, I wouldn't put it past Tarantino to just cast him as stuntman Mike and then just not care. And yeah. just You know, put it as an Easter egg. And, you know, I mean, look, like, could you do a little bit makeup wise to try and make Kurt Russell look a little bit younger? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the flip side is in Death Proof, aside from the use of cell phones, like there's not a lot that really pegs it into 20. True. Some whatever yeah. the 21st century. Right. Like aside from the cell phones. That story could kind of take place anywhere. Still feel it feels very much like it has a, a '70s vibe, even though it right. it's obviously has cell phones, so it puts it somewhere in the early 2000s or late 90s. But right. yeah, right. Uh, you know, and who knows? Maybe stuntman Mike's a vampire. <laughs> well, the other that, thing, or he's a daywalker, right? Because he's, he's a daywalker, right? Could be Blade, right. another Blade. But uh, stuntman Bob is supposedly stuntman Mike's 
older brother. So Kurt Russell could be playing stuntman Bob, who got stuntman Mike into the stunt business, or he could be playing the dad, and that's certainly possible. But I think Matt makes a great point. Tarantino never goes out of his way necessarily to attach these things. He lets the fans enjoy the possibility. Like Vic and Vincent Vega never rarely, I think, rarely mentioned that they had a brother or another brother doing whatever. I don't know if they even I'm mentioned not sure it. They even mentioned yeah, that. see, so there was rumors about Tarantino had Tarantino written a script about the Vega brothers and was gonna shoot that with Madsen and Travolta, never got around to it. So he lets the fans kind of create their own mythology about it. So that's certainly possible here. This is sixty-nine. So how old would Stuntman Mike be? De-aging, I agree. There's not really a Tarantino thing. So I, I, being the dad I can buy or, or even being the older brother or I can buy. Or, or uncle. Right. Certainly possible looking like Kurt Russell. But it's just nice to see Kurt Russell in the movie, I would say. Yeah. All right, what's our next question? Next question uh, is from an email. It's uh, Anthony Potosa. Uh, who writes, uh, Hello Collider Crew, with the massive success of female-led superhero films such as Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, do you think it's time for an R-rated hit girl solo film? Thanks and keep up the great work. I, I like this idea because, A, hit girl is not necessarily attached largely to DC or Marvel, right? I, I think it is a DC property, I think, but it's not attached to them like as a big thing. So... To me, I like that if Kick-Ass came up and did its thing, did $96 million worldwide, the sequel not so well, $60.7 million worldwide. So you ask yourself, well, what was that? What was the difference? I think quality of movie was the difference there. The first one was really good. I don't know if Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz, though, is the one to sell your film to make it a big deal. You can do a reboot of uh, Hit Girl, and I think it would kick ass. I think, for lack of a better uh-huh. term, uh, R-rated would be fantastic. We haven't seen an R-rated female-led superhero film. We've seen it on the male side, so that would be a fun thing to explore and put into. And don't give me barbed wire, for God's sakes. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I think that would be fun to explore to have an R-rated kick, a Hit Girl film. Yep. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's complicated, right? Because the business mm. aspects of that, you know, uh, the Millerverse that had been acquired oh, by right. Fox, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, now that's under the Disney banner, right? Right, and so that's got to throw that whole development slate up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tough to imagine that now that with Disney owning 20th Century Fox, that they're going to do. You know, it's enough of a stretch to get them to continue on with Deadpool. Right. right. Um, who can you imagine Deadpool with the reality stone? <laughs> like, talk about somebody who's not ready to hold reality. Right. Um, it's hard to imagine them doing Hit Girl the way that that character would be expected by the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's plenty of other options out there. I mean, look, like if we're talking about female superhero, I I would love to see a She-Hulk movie. Oh yeah. Right. Like a She-Hulk movie where like she's just trying to like get her law practice done mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to fight crime. Right. And you know, maybe going back to the John Byrne days, the John Byrne oh, one, yeah. when she would break the fourth wall. Right, right. Right. Like somebody who isn't as insane about, about it as, uh, as Deadpool is. Yeah. I, I think that one's ripe for a, a really good adaptation. Mm-hmm. There's complications because of kind of the universal rights issue or paramount with mm-hmm. the Hulk. But, yeah. um, yeah, I think that, Maybe the, I think it's going to be a long shot to get that one done. I think yeah. there's you know I, there's probably a lot of other good female characters out there. Honestly, like I think Lumberjanes would make for a great oh yeah great adaptation. If you haven't read that book, that's a terrific book. I think that one would be really fun to do. That's a great reference. Yeah, absolutely. Lumberjanes is fantastic, and we'll see an R-rated an already superhero film led by a woman. That, I think the time is coming. Certainly, that with Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman, their success. But we'll see what you said. Like. um, 
Disney owning Fox is going to make it really hard for any R-rated superhero right. film to come out, let alone a female-led R-rated superhero film. Right. But I you mean, never know. Listen, the bold one to do would be Black Widow as an R-rated movie, yes. right? Like, do that as a as an R-rated, like, heart, like a John Wick. Yeah. Right? Like, turn that into, like, kind of something in the John Wick area. Yeah. Which would absolutely be in line with Black Widow as a character, especially if you're doing a prequel. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Well, that's a great point because Black Widow is more hardcore in the comics and they keep bringing up Budapest between her and Hawkeye. So clearly Budapest was a turning point where she kind of realized that she'd become way too vicious as a as a assassin and maybe wanted to make right. that change to be more of a heroic person or make up for the deeds that she'd done in the past when she was programmed. We had those flashbacks. So there's certainly a lot to explore I there with her on R-rated side. The bad things. news is we already got that movie. Although it's a great oh, movie. It's called, uh, no, it's called Atomic Blonde. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. The Shirley's Throne film. Very sexy film. All right, let's move on to our last question here. It's from, it's an email from D. Enot. that asks, hello, Roka, and most welcome guest. Yes. With Game of Thrones ending and the MCU finishing the Infinity Saga, two 10-year spanning entertainment events have concluded. Uh, I have two questions. Which do you think is more, has had more influence on pop culture and which will be more spoken highly of in 10 years' time? Thanks for taking my question. Uh, mm. No hesitation. Answer to both question is Infinity Saga. Yeah. No hesitation. I, look, I like the Game of Thrones saga. I've been on board with that. I was not terribly disappointed by mm. the ending. Like, it could have been better, obviously. But right. I think there's more stuff happening in the Infinity Saga and the way that's invaded pop culture, partly because Game of Thrones, ultimately, as much as... as in the press, we followed it, and it's got a kind of high adoption rate mm-hmm. with people that cover movies and, and entertainment fans. That's still a, so much a smaller audience than the audience that has consumed the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just by numbers alone, yeah. it's so much bigger. And so, you know, people will in 10 years be talking about Iron Man and Captain America and Thor and everybody else in there in a way that. No, but, you know, the most the big news you're going to get out of Game of Thrones in the next three or four years is the continued delays of the books. Right. Right. Like uh, that's I mean, look, I'd love for those books to be finished, but I think we're going to get more news that they're going to keep getting Mm -hmm, delayed. mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe the prequels will take off. They won't hit us quite as hard. I think they're you know, we're going to move on. I think as Star Trek continues to ramp up, that's going to distract the audience. Good point. Uh, You know, I think there's only enough headspace for all of us to focus on maybe four or five big franchises at a time. Mm-hmm. And the next fantasy franchise, uh, I think Game of Thrones is going to have a hard time holding on to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the, the – these questions are um, more influence on pop culture and spoken highly of in 10 years' time. Already we've seen a number of think pieces – this entire week about how this Game of Thrones uh, series finale may be the worst series finale ever for a number of factors, not about acting or direction or whatever, right. more about the rush and the storylines and the level of expectations that people had that came crashing down to earth after that series finale. I think a lot of people feel the way you feel, Matt, that it wasn't that bad and they enjoyed it for what it was, but there's definitely a lot of ardent people who are upset very loudly about the entire season, not just the series finale. Whereas with Marvel, the end Avengers Endgame, people are incredibly happy with how that whole thing ended. And they, they're looking forward to see what happens next. Spider-Man Far From Home is coming. That's going to make a lot of money for sure. And we'll see what Feige announces coming down the road for Marvel. But people are waiting in anticipation for what's going to happen next. I think there are people waiting for anticipation for the Arya, supposedly the continuing adventures of Arya, whatever that prequel is with Naomi Watts. But you're right. There's now a lot of 
I think a lot of upset feelings, not just from viewers who watch the show, but also book readers who are waiting right. for these books. And George R.R. R. Martin keeps delaying. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that when he released a statement that he wrote out, people are like, well, that's time you just took away from finishing the book to write that statement. You could have been <laughs> finishing the book. So there's a lot that goes into Game of Thrones. I think it will influence the pop culture to a degree, but there's no way that Game of Thrones changed television as we know it. Whereas the MCU changed movies as we know it in terms of creating a superhero genre that now more and more artists of higher and higher quality are being drawn and attracted to and Oscar nominations. Yeah, I think you got a really good point there. I think, you know, in, in very broad strokes, I think Game of Thrones is going to get mentioned the way Lost is, right? Yeah. And if anything, the influence is going to be when somebody's wrapping up a series, the pressure is going to be like, oh, it used to be, oh, I don't want to end this like Lost. Now it's right. like, oh, I don't want to end this like Lost and Game of Thrones, yeah. right? Like that's that's going to be the 10-year, yeah. that's my prediction, the way people talk about it in 10 years. But I think the short-term and even long-term with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is you're going to see, you know, we're already seeing more people wanting to do these quote-unquote shared universes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And what we forget about Marvel is that there was a... Because Marvel had sold the rights to all of their kind of Tiffany characters, mm-hmm. right? Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, even though those are terrible movies, those were the big, like the big names out of Marvel were X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic right. Four, right? right? And those had all got sold to other studios. And yeah. so in the absence of the heavy hitters, Feige had to produce movies where they had to kind of, you know, make people connect the old-fashioned way. Good point. They had to write good characters, right? right? And so we've seen something that functions like a TV show in that you get invested in these characters mm-hmm. and you have real investment, right? We tune into TV shows because we're invested in the characters. Right. It's less about the event. And so that's what's happened with Marvel. And I think a smart studio will remember that, right? Mm-hmm. I think the studios that have made mistakes are the ones who try and fast track it, right? Right, right. Right, the DC expanded universe, I think they did too quickly. Yes. And I think they, you know, for whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into it about how good those movies are. I think they didn't connect with the audience. Um, they didn't get you invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, the dark universe that Universal yeah. tried to do, like yeah, same yeah, yeah. thing. Um, so I think you, I think a smart producer is going to come at this and look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and say, you know what it is? It's about the characters that I can right. have group episodes and then bottle episodes mm-hmm. and still get people invested. Yeah. Right. And that's, I look, and that's a great influence to have because if that's how you change the business and you consistently deliver movies that satisfy the audience and are quality movies and make money. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. There'll be another Game of Thrones. Right. There'll be another. I, they, I don't know if there'll be another 10 year influential uh, uh movie franchise that changes the medium that's the thing you go, you can go from mash to friends to uh, i mean sorry to mash to cheers to friends to uh, breaking bad to the sopranos to to a lesser degree the wire and now to game of thrones there'll be another show right. like game of thrones coming down the pike soon they're, I, I rare to see another 10 year franchise like but this but you know that could happen right like we look back at like the cultural icon that James Bond is, right? Yeah, but right. that was a book series, right? And yes, there were only two or three books in before mm-hmm. they started those movies, yeah. right? Now, granted, we're talking about 40, 50 years at this point, mm-hmm. because the first ones are in the 60s, but that could be done, yeah. right? Could it be done as fast as the Marvel movies? That's tough, because you're going to find something that nobody's really done successfully before. But mm-hmm. is it out there? Sure. It's absolutely out there. You absolutely could do that. You yeah. just got to find, you know, can you find the right the right property that's got enough love out there 
totally. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not going to give you any ideas because I'll develop them myself <laughs> and make a ton of money. Well said. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of Collider Mailbag. It's been a pleasure to answer your questions. We always love getting your questions and pouring through them. And really, the specificity and the extensive questions are incredibly fun to read. I would encourage you all to keep the questions, the three to four sentences. They make it easier to pick because we spend time reading them. That takes time away from the overall length of the show. So recommendation to you all. Try to not make them four or five paragraphs long. They rarely get selected when they are, although I enjoy reading them and answering them for myself, they rarely get on the show. So keep the three to four senses to make it easier for us to pick. I want to thank Matt Atchity for stopping by here. Thanks for having me, man. Matt, it was a blast. Fun. Where can people find you, man? And stuff uh, you, do. you know, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Matchity. You can find me, you know, poking around on the movie phone site. Uh, I've got my uh, movie review podcast I do with Alonzo Duraldi and oh, Christy nice. Lemire called Breakfast mm-hmm. All Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing movies, and then for our Patreon subscribers, we're doing TV recaps and nice. uh, trailer reactions. Um, so, you know, I'm around. You can find me. You can find me. And, him. you know, from time to time, uh, trying to make it through the Schmodown <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, maybe next time I won't get just smoked like I did at that free-for-all. Oh, the free-for-all. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get with there. Shout out to Bibiani for how good he is in that. Um, Once again, thank you all for sending the questions in. Remember when we put the calls out on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram, put that hashtag Collider Mailbag on your question. Makes it easier for me to find. And also, if you hate social media or don't want to do social media, you can email us at mailbag at collider.com. I pour through all those questions as well to pick out some great ones. And we certainly had some today. So thanks, everybody, for watching today. You can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Shout out to Adam Smith, who helps us uh, do this show so well and do all the graphics for you all to enjoy. Have yourselves a great Sunday. We'll talk to you next week with two more episodes of Collider Mailbag. Take care. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831 Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $849. Toastmaster small appliances are just $214 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.